This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Welcome to the premiere episode of a of a labor of love that I personally, I am Scott Criscola, have looked forward to wanting to do pretty much since our network began way back in, well, I guess you could say when the first Place to Be podcast dropped back in 2011, or when we first started doing other shows in 2014, but finally, we are here to do it the first ever podcast solely dedicated to the legacy of that kind of for not forgotten but that kind of lost cousin of ecw and that is of course ring of honor and this is the pod of honor yes i've always wanted to do a show called pod of honor and finally i have it well we have it because i like to bring my co-host in because i couldn't do this show without this guy like there's a ton of people uh in our ptb wrestling network family that i love doing shows with but this specific one could only be with this guy because there's not many people that have a, a, a tuned in knowledge of the now 20 year plus history of this promotion for better or for worse than one of my good special friends, Steve Aloysius Willie. Hello, 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 hello. Yeah, we. I am pretty darn excited about this. Right. It's something we've had on our mind for quite a few years at this point. So, pretty yeah, much. it is. I, I thought about honorable discharge or dishonorable discharge, but that probably <laughs> would be, that'd be pretty gross, I think. <laughs> I know a lot of people in the PTB family that are dis are that are honorable discharge. So. Yeah, I know some that are dishonorable. <laughs> there are more too. than dishonorable. Yes, that are dishonorable discharge. Anyway, uh, so here's the thing: I, the reason that we finally got around to doing it is a couple reasons. Number one, you know, we we I've been able to carve out at least one extra night because, as everyone knows, of course, Steve is with me every other week, along with the sheriff Pete Shermacher and the Godfather and E. Milton on Police Be Nation's main event. Uh, but Steve is a busy man and has lots of things, but finally he was able to carve out an extra day. So this is going to be monthly. This is the February episode. We're going to do this monthly and for now, maybe we could, maybe we'll switch it to bi-monthly depending on how, you know, plans and schedules and such. But for now we'll do a monthly and I put the content in Steve's, uh, trusting hands. We're not going to go chronologically. We're not going to do, all right, let's start with. The era of honor begins. Then we'll do the show in 2002. Then we'll do this show. Too. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. Um, tell us how we're going to, Steve, tell us how the month to month will go and tell us kind of what you have in your head in terms of what we, what you'd like to present to our listeners here on our show. Yeah. My original thoughts were, well, first of all, there's so many ring of honor shows at this point. 
because right. you have the regular monthly events or every couple week events that have been going on since 03. Um, all the television between HDNet and Sinclair that they've done over the years. Uh, they've had TV tapings. They've had regular shows that have doubled as TV tapings. They've had regular pay-per-views. There's just so many different shows. And um, on one of our sister networks, uh, the PWO network, we've had you know, relationships with for many, many years. They already have mm -hmm. a podcast um, called Through the Years, T-H-R-O-H, The Years, that has started at the mm -hmm. very beginning. And I think they're like 100-something shows in at this point. Wow. And they do a great job. They they do a really great job. It's uh, Trevor Dame and, uh, God, I'm going to, if they're listening to this, I'm sorry. It's Matt uh, Feuerstein, I think the last name is. I'm just not on Twitter, so I'm terrible at that stuff. Um, and they do, they just do a fantastic job. So I'm like, okay, this is, that's already been done. So why do it? And so I have always, like, from the time that we did Mission Indie Possible back in the day, I like taking little Oh, my fucks. God. There's yeah, a like, there's a there's a show in the vault. Mission yeah. Indie Possible It's a great show that um, it's so much fun. And because we're able to like if you're watching a bunch of pay-per-view shows, it gets it's not that it's tiresome. It just it's a it's a big time commitment. Right. And I think it's kind of fun to look at little like smaller um, topics. So like for Indie Possible, we found all the Brian Danielson matches in Chikara. And so there was like four or so or four or five. Well, that's a little bit easier to digest. Mm -hmm. And then you can kind of put a story together into a into a podcast instead mm -hmm. of just, okay, BJ Whitmer against this guy. I don't know why I said BJ Whitmer, but we're on a Rick and Butter podcast. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that was rando. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, so so that, Silas that was thought. And, uh, you know, we've already had a few ideas before we even started. Um you know, I, I know this is going to be an evergreen podcast, but we're we're taping right after the passing of Jay Briscoe. Yes. Um, rest yeah, in peace. Yeah. Um, yes. It's horrible, horribly sad story. And uh, so with every with every detail that's been coming uh, out, it's worse and worse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Prayers to prayers up to them, especially the the kids. Um, yeah. So, that, that you know, we're going to do um, since that happened, we'll do like a Jay Briscoe episode. And pretty much what we'll do is, like, take a couple matches. You know, we'll each pick a couple matches. We'll have guests as well on the show. And put together little themes. Um, yep. So, you know, the one that I thought, since we're just kind of going to intro, like, our history with Ring of Honor and stuff like that, like, well, it's a good intro. And so I looked at, like, I thought of the best matches from 03, or 02, 03, 04, the first three years of Ring of Honor. Mm -hmm. right. And I chose them... Not just by Meltzer ratings, because especially in the early years, Meltzer didn't uh, watch a lot of the Ring of Honor. Just because, I mean, it, it took a long time to get. It was mostly a VHS. Um, you, it was like a mail-in type thing or, or call-in. Because RF Video, who did all the ECW fan cams, and you could still buy to this day, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, after ECW closed, they wanted a way to make income. So that's pretty much where Ring of Honor came from. Was right. the, the tickets were secondary. They wanted to sell all the VHS tapes and later DVDs. But especially in the first couple of years, it took a long time to get. Right. Uh, uh, to get the tapes or the DVDs. Mm -hmm. So Melter didn't watch a lot of the stuff right away because it took months. And then by the time they came out, he, you know, Melter puts out weekly stuff. So he's not going to be like in October. Here's a match that happened in April. Right. So right. there's just not many ratings for the early stuff unless they're like top of the line. But uh, Cage Match has, I've, I always refer to that when we're doing the main event because 
Um, and even when I'm doing my own watching, just because it's, it's an easy way to find events, or if I'm watching old wrestling, I can like look up the card. And um, they always have the uh, ratings that you can put in too. And so for bigger events, bigger matches, they have it's a pretty fair rating that fans give, I think, especially the more people you have voting. So I, I picked the three matches from the match from each year that had the highest um, audience rating through Cage Match. And I think two of the three uh, lined up perfectly with Meltzer's rating as well. And I think one Meltzer mm-hmm. didn't even see. So that's kind of where I chose the matches from today. And, you know, maybe in the future we can go through the other years as well. Oh, no, I think it's a great idea. And we'll do excuse me we'll do a lot of theme stuff like we're uh, we've are, i think we've already decided that obviously for our episode in march even though it would have been almost a month since he it would have been a month and a half since he passed but it's just is we'll we will do a a, a legacy episode on uh on the briscoes not, not just as a tag team but singles uh i i think i may have been at jay briscoe's greatest moment as a singles wrestler and that was in april of 2013 at i think what was the inaugural supercard of honor um mm-hmm. uh in 2013 when he defeated kevin steen we all know who that is uh to become the uh the roh world champion and uh give me back my bullets by uh by skinner was blasting at hammerstein which is pretty awesome mm-hmm. um then he had the personalized belt which i thought was always pretty cool uh we hope uh from time to time uh here on the show to have one of our dearest friends. He's a very busy guy. Uh, that is, of course, the former voice of Ring of Honor, Mr. Kevin Kelly. We hope to have him on from time to time if he's available to talk certain topics. Uh, he was there for a good long while. In fact, he was there during pretty pretty hot time for yeah. uh, for ROH. So, uh, And I think he would be, and I've already kind of alluded it to him already, and he'd be honored to come on. We just got to work schedules out whenever mm-hmm. he's, uh, of course, in uh, in Japan. Of course, he is the... North American voice of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I thought he he did a great job at Wrestle Kingdom on a side note, Steve. We both watched it for main event. I thought he did a pretty good job. Uh, I always think Kevin does a great job. He's a good play-by-play guy. He's clean, crisp, uh, lets the color guy be the goofball. I, I've, I've always enjoyed Kevin as a as a commentator. So, um, And he was, uh, who was his, uh, what was it, Nigel? Was it Nigel? Oh, well, Nigel, I know pretty early on. They're just a great team. I'm, Nigel's one of my favorite wrestlers ever. Right. Um, and then, yeah, he did. Who else did he do with? Well, did uh, he have Carino, Carino for a while? Yeah. Well, didn't he have Carino when Scum was the thing? Yeah. Right. And then Nigel, you no, know, Vedic Scott did a couple episodes, a little bit. And then they kind of moved over to Ian Riccomani when Kevin left to do New Japan. Yeah. And that was what, 2015? Oh, gosh, I'm 16, maybe. Yeah. I'll um, ask Kevin. I think it's yeah. 20, 2015 or 2016. Anyway, so tonight, as as uh, for our inaugural episode, uh, Steve has decided to uh, we've decided to pick out three matches, one from each of the first three years of uh, of the promotion um, that may have indicated what was to come uh, from what Ring of Honor is, because I think a lot of people, when it debuted, now let's, let's look at the, re- before we dive in, Steve, let's talk about the wrestling landscape at this, at this time, mm-hmm. uh, early 2002, ROH was, or, um, uh, WCW was dead. ECW was dead. The invasion killed them even more <laughs> by, <laughs> so by the end of Oh one at the beginning of Oh two, WWE was the only game in town. <laughs> now Oh two, 02 WWE had a good year. 
uh, well, they were the WWF until May, and then they were WWE. But WWE, for the most part, was not a bad year in 2002. They had a solid year. They had good matches. Hogan came back. That was fun for nostalgia. Sean came back. You know, we had some good stuff with him at Triple H. SummerSlam was a killer show. Uh, uh, Brock won the title, started his ascent. Um, it was 03 when WWE started to kind of go, well, half of WWE. SmackDown was awesome. Raw, uh, except for Evolution, Raw was kind of unwatchable dreck. But <laughs> but uh, uh, Raw was the super. I always said, I even said this too, Steve, on past shows, the Pet Place Me podcast, when JR and I did, you know, the 03 shows. Raw was the superstar entertainment brand. Mm-hmm. SmackDown was the wrestling brand. Yeah, pretty much. If you just if you wanted to just be entertained by personalities with average matches, you have Raw. If you wanted, you know, good promos, but not great promos, but five star, you know, three and three quarter to four and a half average star matches every week, uh, you watch SmackDown. Um. Uh. So there was a landscape for. Maybe some new promotions. And in 2002, not one, two promotions launched in 2002. And to this day, they're both still standing. Well, one is one was on life support and was uh, resurrected by Mr. Anthony Aloysius Khan. Uh, the other somehow is still breathing. We to this day, Steve, still don't know how <laughs> Impact Wrestling still has a pulse, but they do. And they're still fun to watch. Uh, you know, we are going to go back, everyone, uh, over on main event. We are going to go back to the classic TNA pay-per-view recaps because Steve loves them, and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna force uh we're gonna force Pete Pete to uh to do it. I know he's he gets squirmy, but who cares? Come on, Pete, we'll have some fun. I thought um, about I thought about that today too because uh I was looking through social media and Impact had they do like the best of Impact and put little like three to five minute videos on just like you know most places do. And they're like, this probably was 04, maybe. I'm just guessing uh-huh. by by the ring and the time period. But it was uh, Eric Watts versus Don Callis uh, for control of TNA. I'm like, oh. what? What even is this? Like, what the hell? <laughs> that should be on. Uh, that should be on uh, Dave's and my through the looking glass because that's a universe I don't. I wish to never go into. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord! All right, so. In February, so anyway, in February of 2002, we began Ring of Honor. And then a few months later in May uh, was the first, uh, at the time, NWA slash TNA show. And of course, if you'd like to, we have a bunch of great shows uh, on all four, on the quadipods. There's, of course, uh, Highway to the Impact Zone. There's TNA Never Dies over on NOSO. And of course, you, me, and... Uh, Nate did some recaps on main event from time to time, and we're going to bring those back. Right now, I think we're in, like, February of 03 or something. I mean, ours are the best. Let's just be honest. Like, you know, no. No, no. Offense to everybody. Ours are the best. Hey, of course. It always is. It's always the best. Uh, All right. So why don't you paint the picture for us, Steve? What is our first match tonight? Well, our first match is the main event of the very first show, Air of Honor Begins. And it is the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, not ever really called Brian Danielson, just the Dragon, uh, versus Loki versus the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels. Yes, uh, he all, was actually introduced as the American Dragon. They didn't say yeah. Brian Danielson. Yeah. Um, all three still active. I mean, Loki to much lesser extent, 
but uh you know danielson wrestling every week on in aew and um you know daniels will pop up from time to time in aew basically as a an agent backstage but he also has been doing a lot of indies lately like on the west coast and uh in the midwest so yep yeah so 20 years ago still active that's crazy that's crazy so to set the table here was the rest of the card so again as as uh as steve mentioned it was called the era of honor begins and it took place on february 23rd 2002 from the murphy recreational center in philadelphia that's why a lot of people thought this was just going to be a cleaner ECW, and yep. it, it really isn't. It really never was that, which is good. The first match in the history of East of uh, ECW. Here I go, you say ECW. The first match in the history of Ring of Honor. Mafia and Monster Mac <laughs> defeated Bully and Mace with Allison Danger in his corner when Mafia pinned Mace after a burning hammer at one twelve. Yeah, and, notoriously awful, horribly homophobic and misogynistic angle to start off, um, ah! which they were known for. Like, um, I'm, I, I don't think it's been on, uh, even in the previous incarnation of Honor Club. I don't, I don't think they ever had it on. It's definitely not on now, but it, it is one of the worst segments of all time. Uh, so there was a lot of that in that first year or so of just, just. It's tough that it even stand up in 2002, to be honest. Right, uh, right. Horribly uncomfortable. But, uh, yeah. you know, still some of that remnants of AEW type. Not AEW, ECW. Now I'm doing it. Um, ah! ECW stuff, like, uh, you know, the, the not-so-great stuff. Um, but eventually they, uh, they cleaned that up. Mm. And what's funny is WWE was probably the cleanest because, I mean, what do they have in 02? Hot lesbians. Whereas, because, yeah. uh, uh, you know, as we as we documented, Steve, Impact was or TNA was not the most innocent either no. in uh, in in that uh, as well. So um, fitting that we're about to say this. The second match. In ROH history involved Jay Briscoe, and I feel I feel that's fitting. He did lose. It was a singles match. He lost to Amazing Red, one of your favorites mm-hmm. uh, with the Red Star Press at 830. I'm sure that was a great match. And generally it's thought of as, you know, usually stated as the first Ring of Honor match because the first one was more, more of an angle than anything. Right. Um, so that's, that's. Let's give Jay Briscoe uh, the credit for the first. Yeah, match. absolutely. That, like historically, that's known as the first match. Yeah. Okay. Xavier, rest in peace, uh, pinned Scott, uh, Scoot Andrews with the X-Breaker at 10.06. Danny Drake and Mike Tobin. Oof. Defeated Homicide. Homicide, who's still who's still putzing around. Homicide mm-hmm. has was most recently the NWA Junior Heavyweight Champion. Yeah. Uh, and his tag team partner Boogaloo <laughs> <laughs> via disqualification when Homicide attacked Tobin with a rubber ch- with a rubber chicken. Oh god, yeah, it was a weird At a weird tag team. They were supposed to be like you know straight from the same asylum. They had their orange jumpsuits on. I don't understand the rubber chicken thing. It lasted <laughs> for a few shows. Oh, my God. Um, uh, uh, Quiet Storm defeated Amazing Red, Ho- uh, Jose Maximo, Joel Maximo. Jesus, what is this? Uh, this is our TNA segment. Uh, Brian yeah, XL, yep. Chris Devine in an elimination match by eliminating Maximo, Joel Maximo at 1556. Jose accidentally pinned Amazing Red at 1005. 
Divine defeated Brian XL at 10:28. Storm Maximo at 11:36, and Maximo eliminated Divine with the uh, Storm Cradle Driver at 11:36. Mikey Whipwreck was the special referee, so they did try to kind of jack up the Philly crowd with one of their with one of their favorite sons. Yeah. And some of those were his. I think a lot of those were his students as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, Prince Nana, one of my favorites. I love Prince Nana. Def, uh, pinned Eric Tuttle with a double underhook brainbuster at the 53 second mark. Uh, Spanky and Ayakea Ayakea Loa defeated Oz and no, not that Oz and Michael Shane when Spanky pinned Oz with the sliced bread number two at 12:29. As a result, Spanky won a Ring of Honor contract. Super crazy pinned Eddie Guerrero with a small package at 10:42. The bout was held to determine the IWAIC championships. So, of course, as you know, Eddie was bounced in I because w- I'm watching one of my chrono watches now. I would say like mid to late May of 01, maybe even early June. Yeah, he was gone. He had, of course, his his personal demons. He would come back after WrestleMania and feud with uh, RVD. They had a, they had a series of amazing. Intercontinental title matches, of course, there was that ladder match on Raw where the where the guy ran in the ring and Eddie beat the shit out of him. Um, but Eddie was trying to get his feet wet, so here he is, Steve, in the yeah. inaugural show of Ring of Honor, the late great Eddie Guerrero. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I feel like he had three matches, like he was on like maybe the first three. I think the first three shows. Well, let's see. The next show we'll look real quick was a month later, the Round Robin Challenge mm-hmm. at. And on March 30th, let me see if he's in, if he's on this show, uh, Spanky Maximo Danielson, low key. No, let's, I bet you he was here April 27th of 02. Yeah. yeah, here he is. Yeah. Oh, he actually came back. Wow. Yeah. Cause he was already advertised. I remember this now he was already advertised. And so night WWE of a, let him. Yes. Night of appreciation mm-hmm. on April 27th. Uh, he had already beaten RVD for the intercontinental title. Right. He and he and Amazing Red beat the Maximos, um, in the main event. And then you're thinking maybe the next show? No, I was thinking the first three show. I, uh, that was his last one. That one right there. Okay, so it's the first two. Okay. Yeah. So that brings us to our main event, as uh, as Steve mentioned, low key Christopher Daniels and the American Dragon Brian Danielson. Uh, not the first time I've watched the match. Mm-mm. Uh. I I thought it was an awesome match, uh, obviously. What I liked about it was, what I liked also, Steve, and I'm going to tell you this now, all three matches that we're going to talk about tonight, all were very different for me. Yeah. Very different. This one was, I don't want to say it was a spot fest, but it was just a great opportunity to showcase. It was kind of a billboard, I think, mm. of what the promotion would become over time. Um, and you had three different kinds of workers. You had Loki, who was a striker. Tell me if I'm wrong. You had Loki, who was a striker. You had Danielson, who was a gr- who was a grinder, and you had Daniels, who was kind of like the how do I word it? The uh, kind of the experienced big time guy, like kind of worked a little differently, a little more de- yeah. a little more deliberate, almost like a WWE or WCW type of wrestler. Um, took his time, kind of psychological, like psychology driven in his approach to the match. And I feel like there was one where 
There was one spot where Danielson is just on his hands and knees and Loki just keeps kicking him in the fucking head. Probably not as far as <laughs> but uh, but yeah. then there was another like kind of uh, crippler move where Danielson or uh, Daniels had I got Daniels and Danielson. Daniels had Loki and like it was almost like a, a, a walls of Jericho and he had his knee in the back of his neck. Yeah, like the line tamer only it. like even harder. Yeah, yeah, that was a great move. That was a great move. Uh, I just love the match because I was just I was enjoying watching three different kinds of guys work together. Um, and I thought it, a great pick here, Steve. And I feel like this was uh, a match that was the poster child for what would become at least the first like five years, five to six years of Ring of Honor wrestling. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I, I like what you said about uh, it. Like with the three being different wrestlers and that had to have been on purpose that they chose they chose that like daniel's more of a character like you know he was part of the you know he started the prophecy and he didn't believe in the ring about a rules of you know shaking hands and no interference um the irony of that is he was probably the least dirty person in the match because like dragon and loki kept uh double teaming him uh, and so they're like, even though Daniels is supposed to be the heel and post-match, which wasn't on the, the video, I don't believe, or it was in the video. I just didn't watch it. Like uh, Daniel starts the, um, you know, I'm not shaking hands, but during the match itself, like all three were, were fighting uh, as faces. Um, and the one thing I really liked about it, and I don't, I think I've watched this probably three times now and I didn't notice it the first two times, all the, your usual triple threats, it's the trope of two guys in the ring, one guy rolls out, two guys in the ring, the other guy. You know, it just keeps going back and forth like that, except for the very beginning and the very end when the finish. I don't think right. anyone ever left the ring of the three people during this 20-plus uh, minute match. They stayed in the ring at all times, mm -hmm. which, you know, Ring of Honor always has had – the same with ECW – uh, they've had your spot fest. They're, they, you know, they've been known for it. A lot of people like flying out of the ring. Um, in America, they're one of the, you know, big places that started that. So it was, um, and and Daniels, you know, neither are big flyers. They did mention that Dragon, you know, started as a flyer but changed his style pretty quickly. Uh, but still, like the fact that they didn't roll out of the ring, like right. next time there's a triple threat on, just watch. It's going to be one on one the whole time. I thought that was really fun and it added a bit to the match because then there were more like triple team type moves where um, it was really funny when Daniels was in like some sort of uh, death lock that Danielson had him in on. And then Loki kept, you know, giving those just disgustingly hard kicks. And Danielson would fall back, thereby putting the death lock on harder. And then he would sit back up. And it would just keep going back and forth. And eventually Danielson suplexed Loki while he still had Daniels in the, in the lock. Um, and they wanted to, um, also with Danielson, put over the cattle mutilation. Um, the, the announcers was Carino and someone else. The, the first year, they had so many different announcers going in and out. Um, it was funny. I was like, oh, this is a very popular submission, the cattle mutilation on the West Coast. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking ah. about? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it, like, it did. It just it set the standard for what they were looking for. Yeah, they had some really disgusting, gross stuff in the beginning right. of the show. But this was the standard of wrestling 
that they were mm-hmm. really looking forward to putting on. Uh, you know, one or two great matches um, have some have some you know some feuds along the way, and um, you know it's just it was a, it was a good start, and I think it shows you something that the first main event of the first show ended up being their match of the year. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think it was, they did a great job of picking these guys because they were already names. Uh, what was Danielson doing? What were all three of them? Well, Dan- well, Daniels was kind of putzing around. He was, I mean, I know he yeah, did. Daniels was around for like 10 years at this point. Yeah. Daniel. Well, remember, you know, you know, that really weird urban legend. We talked, Dave Hall and I talked about it on, uh, through the looking glass. Remember Daniels was going to be the higher power. Yeah. There was that rumor. Supposedly. Of that. And that was I what? S- June of 99 and everyone was like who the fuck is this guy but yeah he's been wrestling since like 93 probably at yeah, this point somewhere around there he because he, he's from Michigan or at least he lived in Michigan and then he worked in this Chicago indie called Windy City Wrestling I think Punk wrestled there too and I remember in the Midwest seeing him the first ECW show I went to he was like 98 um he wrestled against like like El Mosco de la Merced or something like that. And then I right. saw dark matches um, in Milwaukee and Chicago for WWE. Um, and so, and then, yeah, they, he was, you know, going around doing those kind of indies and was on the East coast. Um, I know that Sapolsky, there's all this information that was in the back of my head. That's all coming back to me now. Um, took a lot of guys from this ECWA. They used to have like a tournament every year. Uh, mm. Out east, so he saw a lot of the the guys there that he brought on. Um, Dragon wrestled out of Texas with he was training under Shawn Michaels, part of his school. Like Shawn yep. only partially trained him. Spanky right. was there too. Um, Paul London was there too, and some of like Rudy Boy Gonzalez's guys that are on later in the year. Um, there's a really good match that uh, Chad Campbell sent me once of Dragon and Spanky from like 2000, like right when they started. Because I think, didn't they say that Dragon was only like 20 years old or 22 right. or something like that? In this, Didn't he wrestle? Yeah, he did. Didn't he wrestle? We'll have to look it up. It's probably on History WWE. I'm sure Graham and Landy have it. Did he wrestle on that Pillman show? Uh, Maybe in 2000. Maybe it's not the Pillman show. Maybe it's the uh, no. I'm sorry, not the Pillman show. The um, Bung show. The the show that no, the show that Sean did. Uh, it was like the one match he wrestled between WrestleMania 14 and SummerSlam 02. He wrestled uh, Cade. Wasn't he on that show? Lance Cade, probably. Yeah, probably because those he were might have all been on that show. Quote yeah. unquote, Sean guys, and then yeah, um, you know that's where he met kind of Regal too. Was way back right. then. Yeah. Well, Regal wrestled, uh, was it Benoit? That's where I got the, the Pillman card from. He might have yep. done that. Yeah, I wrestled Benoit. It's on and, Benoit's, uh, 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 you know, the f- forbidden DVD, the forbidden door DVD. Yes. Um, I, God, I sold that for quite a bit. <laughs> I, 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 I was cleaning out a closet and I'm yeah. like, uh, I don't want this in my house, really. I know. I I, I'm, a sick, I'm, a, I'm a sick fuck. I still have it. I, I, don't, I would never, I don't know if I could put it in, but I, I still have it somewhere. Yeah, I, I thought like 50 bucks is a pretty good deal somewhere around there. When, I'll have like, to look it up. I got to look it up and see. Yeah, I got to look it up and see uh, um, what people have uh, what people have it have it up for on eBay. I think it'd be pretty funny. Anyway, we digress. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought this was a fantastic main event. 
uh, I would consider it like a 2002 match of the year candidate. Yeah. I don't know what, uh, I mean, I don't know. Dave's first, Dave, uh, I was watching a clip. I think Cultaholic did it. Um, Cultaholic Wrestling uh, on their YouTube channel did a, a video on kind of the history and the breakdown of Dave's five-star matches. Mm-hmm. ROH's first five-star match wasn't till 2006. Well, I think uh, he went back and retroactively gave Joe versus Punk the match. Spoiler, we're going to do for 2004. I think he went back and gave that one five stars. Let me take a look. I, there's a list on Wikipedia. Let me see. Uh, list of Dave Meltzer. Because for the most part, and this is from that Through the Year show, I remember that he would put it, he would put Ring of Honor results in the newsletter and but he would get the reports from readers and sometimes like Mike Johnson or okay, who did Mike Johnson work for? Is he like PW Insider? Uh, is he PW like, Insider? Yeah, Mike Johnson was with Mike Johnson's with uh, Scherer and Buck Woodward and all those guys yeah. on uh, on Insider. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah. is Dave Scherer still around? Yes. Oh God, I've he's, I've been he's a fuck reading. stick though because like he barely pay he barely watches shit and he's a mess. Buck Woodward and all those other guys do all the work over there. So yeah, I and know Mike Johnson. Johnson. Mike Johnson does a lot. I just it's just not something that I read. Um, but God, he's been around since the nineties because it was like him and Bob Ryder. Yeah. Oh God. Um, grumpy bastard. Uh, yeah. yes, you are right. I'm looking at Dave's list. So retroactively, uh, the first official match, Dave, uh, ROH match, Dave gave five stars was WrestleMania weekend in Detroit. Supercard of Honor. So there was Supercard of Honor before the one I was talking about. They just titled. I don't know. It would look mm-hmm. weird on history, on history WWE. Uh, Sima, Masato Yoshino, and Naruki Doi versus mm-hmm. Dragon Kid, Jenki Horiguchi, and Ryo Saito. But and then, then retroactively, he gave one of the matches we're talking about tonight five stars. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And um, Kobashi Joe, which I'm sure we'll do at some point, too. Um, oh, you yeah. know, I'll... I'll um, I, I have mixed emotions about Gabe Sapolsky. I've said some of it on the main event over the years. He has always been great at. Um, I, I don't think he's like he hasn't like trained talent or like brought up talent. He never really done that, but he found talent and he gave right. he he found good talent that were not showcased and gave them a platform to do it and then build good stories with them and that match you mentioned, um, you know that he brought like guys from Dragon Gate over in Japan. And that opened my eyes up to that style of really fast-paced wrestling. And I'm still a fan of that today. And he started Dragon Gate USA after he left Ring of Honor. Um, but, yeah, that, like, he started bringing those guys into a couple shows a year, and especially over Mania Weekend. And that they were just, like, things that we had not seen in the U.S., except maybe, like, Kai and Tai when they started, and when they had the one match on the first ECW pay-per-view. But besides that, it was just something we never saw. Right. Uh, incidentally, on a side note, maybe this is matches we'll have to talk about down the line. People want to make fun of Michael Elgin. He is in a five-star match. Oh, yeah. He had that hot, hot streak of of a couple years. He, uh, he is uh, March 31st. So this is Mania. Uh, I think this is Mania weekend in Miami. Showdown in the sun. Yeah, I think so. uh, him and Davey Richards, March 31st, yeah. 2012. And then the next one, Dave didn't give until, which this is batshit. Uh, the next one was not till, holy crap. Uh, that's, Is it this year? Uh, 
uh, back in April, the yeah. the the Super Card of Honor match with, uh, of course, Jay and Mark and FTR. So he didn't do it. I mean, that's a little fucked up. I mean, really, there wasn't a five star ROH match in ten years. Well, that's really, what I think, like you know, I, I think he watched the major pay per views because there's a lot of like four, four and a half. I'm looking at, um, but there are a lot of holes in here that he doesn't right. have. Because I say like the heyday of Ring of Honor, uh, the early years were like oh four to oh seven, maybe going into oh eight. Um, kind of like when Nigel, and then like when uh, Tyler Black, Seth Rollins started, and then kind right. of when the Bullet Club stuff happened, like two thousand fourteen to two thousand eighteen, when you had like. The Bucks and AJ and right, yeah, um, you know Kyle O'Reilly and you know Eddie Edwards and and then oh, Cody and Omega and stuff like that kind of was at the end, and then once they left, you know the Madison Square Garden show that was kind of all mm-hmm. downhill from there. Right. Uh, so there you go. That's that's our first match tonight. Definitely watch it if you have not. It is on the uh it's on youtube i think and it's also yeah. on the roh it's on the roh uh app um the uh, watchroh.com and it's if you have i'm pretty sure it's on roku i it's definitely on amazon fire tv yeah it's on roku right. it's it, it plays pretty well it's much better yeah, than no, it, it used to be still still needs room for still has room for improvement but um but i i think it it went pretty good i think so too i think so too that one i watched on youtube for some reason it wasn't pulling up this one this next match I watched on the ROH app, and it was pretty great. Tell us what match number two is tonight, Steve. Match number two I have never seen before until uh, until this podcast. Uh, Night of Grudges, 2003, and it is AJ Styles versus Paul London. Uh, AJ, it's it's kind of cool that we we did this match and that this was picked as the, the best match of 03. Because this is right around where we have left off with TNA, with our TNA reviews. Yeah, we're like it, in, uh, we're close. Because we're, yeah. where we are, Jeff Jarrett's still champion. So I think we're in like, what are we in, like March, I think. Uh, so we're a couple months away. But we're around that time where AJ was starting to definitely grow mm-hmm. as a as a uh, TNA star. And then obviously, eventually, he would become the NWA champion. Which he would wear to the ring along with his ROH tag team title trophy. Yeah. A tag team title belt because he was champions with uh, Amazing Red, which is pretty funny. So the date is June 14th, 2003 from the National Guard Armory in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Shit, I could have driven there. Son of a bitch. Yeah. The There's Bill- a lot Billy of. Billy uh, Boston was pretty much there. I think yeah. New Jersey a little bit too. Yeah, I, I, there were a lot of times I probably could have driven to a show and just didn't. It's my fault. Yeah, I um, know, right? <laughs> you know, and then they would hit your neck of the woods because that's where we'll be for our last match. So here's the card. Uh, if you want to hear some funny names, so a couple of dark matches. Jimmy Cash pinned Lit with a one arm slam at 128. Lit like the band. I think be he was in sunshine. Like... <laughs> Who was it? Which is that is not a group we're gonna do. It's okay. <laughs> it was like there were these ravers. Steal my there were these ravers, and they just were entitled, and they'd uh, take drugs and go to raves, and they were took their parents' money. That was like the act, the actual gimmick. 
Oh, and, and Gabe on commentary would be all up in arms. Like, can you believe these kids and their raves? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, the next one, Lit wrestled the next match. He, uh, they teamed with Lit, Slugger, and Angel Dust. Defeated okay. Marcos, Dunn, and my, one of my favorite ROH and indie guys, Slick Wagner Brown. Wow, yeah. When Angel Dust pinned him after Slugger's body bag at 739. Stips stated the winner would receive a spot in the four-corner tag team match later in the night. I watched Slick Wagner Brown at a show, uh, it was in the 2010s, I think, in Massachusetts, because uh, JR's good friend John Walters, former pure champion, was wrestling on that night, and we saw him at one of the legendary legendary Boston-area Chinese restaurants, Kowloon's, which has a ton of wrestling pictures, kind of like the uh, Chinese-Boston equivalent of Ribeiro Steakhouse, except without the (laughs) fucking, without the sweet satin jackets. Um, and Slick Wagner Brown sitting there cutting promos on Twitter while eating Kung Pao chicken. It was, it was great while wrestling in khakis. It was awesome. Uh, (laughs) it was so great. Um, so here's the, the card proper, uh, HC Loke and Tony DeVito defeated Buff E and Mace, uh, when DeVito pinned Buff E after a moonsault at 842. Matt Stryker with a Y, not with an I, with a Y. I brought Matt Stryker, yeah. Defeated Chance Beckett via submission with the striker lock in a pure rules match at 11-16. Homicide defeated the aforementioned John Walters, Just Incredible, and Chris Sabin by making Walters submit to an inverted Indian death lock at 12-54. Prior to the match, Credible attacked Angel Dust and replaced him in the match. Now, this is pretty good for John Walters because JR, uh, JR graduated. They graduated from college in 02. So this is only a year after him and John graduated from college, and he's already in ROH, so good for him. Yeah, that might have um, been Just Incredible's debut in Ring of Honor. I'm not, I'm not positive, but I think it was. What about Saban? Saban was only there for a little bit in 03. Okay. Uh, CM Punk and Colt Cabana, I think they make a great tag team now. Uh, def- okay. <laughs> defeated Two wacky Raven. partners who hate each other. Defeated Raven and BJ Whitmer in a Ravens rules match when Cabana pinned Whitmer after the Colt 45 at 1650. It's on Punk's uh, DVD, the better mm-hmm. than you. Prince Nana uh, pinned Diablo Santiago with an elevated ugh. DDT at 215. The Maximos defeated Mikey Whipwreck and Dixie when Joel pinned Dixie with the Doomsday DDT at 1038. Then the match that we're talking about in a second, which is not the main event. The main event was The Prophecy, Christopher Daniels, Donovan Morgan, and Dan Math. Dan Math! <laughs> I saw him wrestle in NWA a couple years ago. Uh, defeated The Group, which was the ROH world champion, Samoa Joe, Michael Shane, and C.W. Anderson, when Math pinned Joe with a jackknife roll-up at 2051. Stipulation stated the losing team would disband as a faction. And the funny so thing was- about that is, like, uh Morgan was gone almost immediately. He was pretty much gone to begin with. And the group was actually Steve Carino's group. But at that point, Steve Carino was pretty much in zero one Japan. So he wasn't even really around. Oh, so it made so sense this, to break them up. Yeah. So this is this card. Uh, not the best, but no. uh, it, it's almost like the 2003 Ring of Honor version of WrestleMania 13. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like one great match, one like. Like decent match, the part of the CM Punk Raven feud, and then a whole bunch of ugh. <laughs> yeah, correct. All right. So the first thing I have to tell you, uh, Steve, is I had no idea. This is how bad. This is how 
limited my ROH knowledge is, which is why I'm so happy to do this pod with you and to be able to watch a ton of shit. I had no idea Paul London was in Ring of Honor. I had no yeah, idea. He, no he was one of the more popular. I, I would strongly suggest that he got discovered by WWE because of Ring of Honor. Like one of the first guys. Because uh, like late 02, he um, kind of wrestled. Uh, he had a feud with Michael Shane, who then went to TNA, and then um, he was. They said on the on the match he was supposed to be the person who tagged with Styles for the tag titles, but he was had to have emergency surgery, and that's why Red took his place. And so that's mm-hmm. why there's a little bit of contention between the two that led to this match. Right. Um, but he is gone. After this, he he goes against Samoa Joe for the title, and that's his last match. In Ring of Honor. Uh, and then he debuts with Spanky in WWE. Actually, right around this time, he's doing dark matches and like velocity and stuff. Right. And then starts up right, uh, right away. So, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of what like both him and Spanky, kind of their like first kind of homemade stars to, right. to leave and uh, go to WWE. Right. Those dirty bastards always. Right. Destroying yeah. other companies. Yeah. Jerks. Um, because nobody wants to get paid 30 bucks a, a week. Yes. And, probably and at this point. Yes. Probably. Probably. <laughs> exactly. I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't doubt that it's probably around that much. It's a badge of honor to make $30 a week rather than, you know, uh, 250000 a year. There's no there's no honor in that. <laughs> and tickets uh, for uh, hot dogs and pizza slices and super yes. ropes at the Frontier Fieldhouse in Chicago Ridge. <laughs> super, super They had giant ropes. super ropes all the time at the Frontier Fieldhouse. Correct? Super ropes. Yeah, they were huge. <laughs> That's awesome. And then, um, like, I, I, I have clear memories of Kevin Steen having to, like, buy... Uh, his dinner at the Frontier Fieldhouse, which is basically like a YMCA in, in Chicago at the concession stand, like coming out from out back. Like that's how like Ring of Honor didn't have catering. Like he <laughs> went and no. got his pizza slice and his Gatorade or whatever, paid for it out of his pocket. That is that is actually pretty, pretty freaking great. And, and the great thing was, is that they came to Chicago, you know, like four or five times a year. And um, and this is one of the reasons I love Owen so much. You know, he's always been I'm totally going off topic. I apologize. Um, but he would he knew the people behind the counter at the field house, like the whatever the mom, you know, just like if you go to like a ba- high school basketball tournament or a right. church thing. And it's like the same lady. And then there's a bunch of rotating high school kids helping. He would like pick up his phone and be like, yeah, here's the new baby and stuff like that. Like in the middle of, you know, a pay-per-view, basically. <laughs> that's that's actually pretty great. Yeah. Um, uh, now, this match, again, very different than the first match. This one had a lot of psychology because yeah. they would do a move and then they would look at each other and then they'd shake and maybe not shake. And this one was definitely a grinder. Um, the match time is 24-23. Mm-hmm. And it ended in a draw because they did the old uh, double shoulder thing. I hate that finish. Uh, I hate that. I hate that finish too. <laughs> it's one of my least favorite finishes. I hate it too. It's because it makes your rest. It makes the wrestler seem stupid. Like I get you just wrestle for twenty four minutes, but you're telling me that like AJ couldn't lift his shoulder up or something. I don't know. Well, he couldn't. Yeah, they, they were like he couldn't bridge because his leg was injured. Because London, like you don't 
You don't bridge yeah. with your leg. You, you bridge with your neck. Yeah, you bridge with your neck and your shoulders. You don't you don't push up. But he had yeah. to work in the leg the whole match. Um, AJ was pretty much a heel in TNA. Well, he's a heel at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if he kind of carried that to this match. Uh, I feel like London got some cheers. It's kind of mixed, yeah. Like AJ, yeah. AJ was a face in Ring of Honor for sure. Okay. And London was a face too, but you know he was being kind of sarcastic with his handshakes. Like, right? Like, how many times did they try to shake hands? Like six or seven, mm-hmm. something like that. And right. Uh, my my only, you know, we we brought up the finish right away. I feel like they wanted London to win because he was the one who got the title shot because this was for the number one contendership. Right. And the next show, which was Death Before Dishonor, one of their bigger shows, London got the title shot and then left. My thought is that because AJ was the NWA champion, they didn't want him. NWA didn't want TNA, didn't want him to lose to London clean. I I have no proof of this. I didn't do like research or anything like that. But because I was like, why are they why are they doing a double pin here? And, right. and then it when was, I looked and saw Paul London was the next opponent, like, oh, they probably right. had him scheduled already. But I, I don't know how closely. And I could kind of right. look this up while we're talking, like, when exactly. AJ it was two months later. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, I just looked up the 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 uh, Joe London match was two months later. Death Before Dishonor was June, July 19th of mm-hmm. 03 at, at the Rec, Rexplex in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And according to according to HistoryWWE.com, this was London's last match in R in uh, ROH, and okay. then he would head off to uh, to the flamethrower. So, because um, the the card in June, the card was Wrestle Wrestle Rave '03 uh, in Philly at that Murphy Center that they probably wrestled in a ton, mm-hmm. um, and then Death Before Dishonor was in July in in Jersey. So, and then when did? When did AJ win the title? The world title? Yeah, in, in NWA. Oh, uh, um, is it like a week before? Because there's um, a three-way between AJ, Jeff Jarrett, and Raven on the Wednesday before. Uh, let's see. NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. So yep, be some... that was it. So three days before he won the heavyweight championship. Wow. So that was the Wednesday pay-per-view. And then they went to Ring of Honor. Wow. So I bet that's why they had to change the finish. I bet London was going to win. And then he won the the title. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Impact probably told them uh, you can have AJ, but he ain't, he's not losing. So. And AJ stuck around for like another year or so. Before he, like, I think TNA eventually pulled him because, and we don't have to get into the whole Rob Feinstein thing. It's been done to death, but they right, found right. out that Feinstein was still kind of hanging around when he was not supposed to, when they made it seem like he was completely gone, um, but he, that he was still kind of hanging around. And so that was when they just pulled AJ for good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah I, yep. yeah. I absolutely love this match until the finish. Like. Were you surprised with uh, Alexis Lurie slash Mickey James in the corner? I, was uh, I didn't a- even realize that. No, I, I, was, I was not stunned. expecting that at all. No, I forgot she was sticking around. She was in AJ's corner. Yeah. Um, didn't really do uh, anything. Like there wasn't really a point to it. No, no, 
she was on camera a couple times, and then she got in the ring at the end of the match. But there was nothing. She didn't do anything earth-shattering or whatever. But it was cool to see her. Um, she's a ROH original, I think. Um, I just enjoyed the match because it was very different. It was paced a little differently. Uh, there was a lot of... Um, uh, it was very psychology-driven. It didn't have... There were strikes, and they did hit the crap out of each other, and there was some good chain work. But this one was paid. I mean, obviously, we can't really compare it to the three-way the year before because three guys and two guys are – obviously, it's a different a different beast. Um, I just liked that it told a much slower story, and there was a lot more kind of looking at each other, and the psychology was amped up. Obviously, you know, the ring was a lot nicer, and after a year, they, they had a little bit of cash in flow. But um, I, I just thought the match was great. Definitely check it out. Go to the ROH app if you have it, if you have Honor Club, and it and look under uh, uh, June. Uh, I just burn it. Oh, June fourteenth, two thousand three, and if it says AJ versus Paul London, that's your match. And it was really good. Yeah. It was really good. It had to have been so hot in there because some of the kicks and slaps, the amount of just perspiration that was yeah. flying off their body was was quite impressive. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, let me tell you something. Some of the some of the buildings, Steve, that ROH has wrestled in over the years, I tell you, they, they I'm surprised they didn't get shut down. I I was at a show in the summer of 2005 in Woodbridge, Connecticut, which is about eh, about 45 minutes from here, maybe maybe a little less than an hour. And this was during Summer of Punk and during the Matt Hardy leaving and all that stuff. And I the one thing I remember that match is I regret not buying this sweet. Eddie Guerrero WCW figure when he had his white and red tights. You know me, I'm addicted mm-hmm. to those to that outfit. But it was like in this like place that was kind of like a like a like a rec hall for like volleyball and hoops and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's no air conditioning. Oh, so God. it was and this was the dead of August. It yeah. was brutal in there. Brutal. Yeah, the Philly sweat calories. That Murphy Recreation Center that was the first show that was pretty known for yeah. how bad it was too in there. And like, I don't know why you would do that to your talent. I know, or, or the or the fans, yeah, or anybody for that matter. So check yeah, that you, out. You'd rather have it be ice cold than anything. Like doing it like I a, know, really, like a hockey uh, you know facility or something. I know, right? Crazy. So, uh, all right, that brings us to our third and final match of the evening, and this one is obviously, as we have mentioned already, the most recognizable of the three for those that are mm-hmm. casual fans. Steve, what is it? It is the October 16th, 2004 match between CM Punk and Samoa Joe. Match two in their three-match series of that year. Their first match earlier in the year went to a 60-minute draw. And so now they they ran it back in in Chicago at the aforementioned Frontier Fieldhouse. And someone was at this show. Oh, me. Who's there? (gasps) Steve! (laughs) Yay! Was it hot? Well, no, it was... No, that that place was pretty. It was actually decent. Yeah, the Frontier Um, Fieldhouse. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it was kind of like a kind of like a YMCA type thing. Um, My my quick story about this, and I I thought this was the one where it happened. Um, My wife went with a with a friend to like this uh, convention thing in Chicago on the same day that this happened. So I didn't have anyone to go with. So I asked an, another mutual friend who worked with my wife, who was not a wrestling fan, kind of uh, 
he was an engineer type dude, but also on the side played in a punk rock band, which you never would have guessed by how straight and narrow he looked. Uh, so he had never seen a wrestling show, you know, knew of wrestling. And uh, yeah, basically sat third or fourth row. Uh, and I, I sent you a picture earlier on. I saw on the we, we watched this one on YouTube because mm-hmm. it's not up on Honor Club for some reason. No, it's not. No, it's not. I, I'd like to know more about why there's not much of 2004 on there. I, there's got to be a reason. Um, yeah, maybe there's some maybe there's some money involved. Uh, yeah, with yeah. who owns it or or something because it wasn't even before Tony Tony Khan um, had it. Um, but yeah, he popped up on there, so it was so great. He like saw this all time, you know, famous match, one of the best matches in Ring of Honor history, and he literally had no idea what he was. What he I know. Was but uh, yeah, like he he really enjoyed it. There's the the part that I saw was like when Joe basically did a tope on a punk and murdered him, um, and you can see him like going crazy on there. But yeah, this is not... this, mm. this is just like you said, a completely different style of match where it was just kind of a classic wrestling match like you could see someone like um like flair doing this obviously not yep. with a couple oh, of yeah. dives uh you know that that that's not really typical flair but it wasn't like they did a lot of high flying stuff there were pretty much like two topes and that was about it you know they were fighting on the floor um i loved I, I remember this from when I saw it too. I, I knew it was going to happen. Like Punk for about five minutes just worked like a headlock takeover, but actually made it seem like it was a legitimate move instead of, you know, like on some you know random episode of of Raw where a guy just grabs a headlock and just lays there for thirty seconds. Like yeah, actually, yeah. like working it and like um, it, it could be a really good move. Some of right. those kind of quote unquote rest holds if you do it with some gravitas, you know, like an arm drag is an arm drag unless Ricky Steamboat does an arm drag because he puts a lot into it and he makes it look like it's a devastating move. And it was the same with this. Like some of the stuff they did in the first half hour of the match was really basic, but it looked like it actually hurt. Yeah, it did. Everything in this match looked like it hurt. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking, what was the date of the first? Cause I'm trying to look at, I'm on a uh, history WWE and I'm trying to find, um, when the first match was, I can find that real quick here. I got, I'm it. looking like I'm looking at every card and I don't see when well, they, I know that they had, so they had a couple of matches before they had a match in August of 2003 and November of 2003, but that was not part of this series. Uh, June the 12th was, the first one and that was part of ring of honor world title classic was the name of the card um Meltzer gave that four and a quarter stars um cage match gave it 9.24 which is um anything above eight is a really good match anything above nine is like spectacular mm. and then yeah. they did have a three-way match with homicide a couple yep. months later but then Saw this that. was yeah this was the second match and then they had the final match at All-Star Extravaganza 2 in December. December 4th. Uh, yeah, another four and a quarter from Meltzer, 9.46. Uh, so only slightly behind um, this match that we looked at, which is 9.56. Um, and it was cool. Honestly, it was, have right. you seen that one? I have not seen that one, the third one. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I did. I have, I have it on the – yes, I have. It's been a while. My, I was trying to watch it today at work and the fucking DVD, typical ROH – uh, the, the DVD <laughs> wouldn't play on my computer, so I'll have to watch it. Uh, I'll have to watch the third one again for a while. Incidentally, I gotta check and see if this match is on. Uh, not to change the subject, but 
uh, I have to see if this match is on the ROH app. A few months, uh, 14 days before at the Midnight Express reunion in Philly, Joe and Danielson wrestled for 39-12, and Joe won with the Coquina Clutch. I feel I have a weird feeling that match is probably pretty fucking great. So. Yeah, um, that's actually the show I'm listening to right now, the ROH recap. It's uh-huh. usually one I listen to at night because they're pretty long and they're pretty calm. Um, th- and that's a compliment. I fall asleep to them. When I fall, yeah. have something I fall asleep to, that's a compliment because it's nice and relaxing and puts me at ease. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I used to joke with Chad because I would I would fall asleep to him and Parv back in the day. <laughs> it's like, oh man, it put me right out. I'd, I'd like listen to the same podcast like seven times to get through it. <laughs> he, he was so insulted. I'm like, no, no, Chad, that means it's nice and relaxing, and I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, you can't fall asleep to Between the Sheets. It'd take you a, a year to blicker and zombie. Chad, you can fall asleep and wake up, and it would still be on. It'd still be on a year later. Um, yeah, that's in, uh, that one was, uh, the one I'm talking about is October 2nd in, uh, in, uh, Philly at the Midnight Express reunion. Interesting. All right. So here's the rest of the card that you saw, Steve, on that October 16th evening at the Frontier Fieldhouse. Davey Andrews fought TJ Dalton to a no contest when Tony DeVito and HC Loke attacked both men. <laughs> Jay, Jay Lethal pinned Delirious with a full Nelson suplex at 819. And I think these are pre-show matches, too. Okay. Uh, Tracy Brooks. I love Tracy Brooks. Pins Daisy Hayes. Daisy Hayes, yep. Daisy Hayes after a stunner and a clothesline at 343. So that match, um, Tracy Brooks did. um, What's the move that uh, Razor Ramon does and Heyman Page and Bradshaw? You hold them up and you toss them over your head. I can't think of the name of it. Oh, it's like a. Almost like a flapjack slam kind of thing. I know what you're yeah, talking about. You can, yeah, you hold them in front of you and you chuck them over your head. Um, nah. She did that to Daisy Hayes. Oh, that's, I mean, they're like the razor's edge kind of thing? No, <laughs> no, I can't think of it. You're basically holding them up in the front of your chest and then you fall backwards and throw the guy over your head. Oh, like a back head. suplex. Almost like yeah, a back Yeah, kind suplex. of like that. Like yeah. a rear back suplex, yep. And sure. um, so, yeah, Tracy Brooks did that to Daisy Hayes on the floor. And we were kind of sitting in the first row for the pre-show before everyone got there. And yep. so she landed directly in my friend's lap. Again, never seen a wrestling show in his life. And then he has this, ah. like, like, Daisy is very, very pretty, but very tiny, like 100 pounds, 110 pounds. So he's, right. <laughs> he's just, like, sitting here, like, what? And again, this is the pre-show. Like, what, what is this? This is great. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's pretty that's pretty funny. Um, uh Let's see. Uh, and Tracy Brooks, she hasn't wrestled in a long time, has she? Has she been retired for? Since? Yeah. I mean, she was obviously, she's Frankie. She's Frankie's wife, right? Yeah, they've been married yeah. a very long time. Very long time, yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, Josh Daniels defeated Matt Seidel, Trent Acid, and Angel Dust by pinning Angel Dust with a bridging German at 633. Mm-hmm. Nigel McGinnis and Chad Collier with Ricky Steamboat defeated B.J. Whitmer and Dan Maff with Mick Foley in a hardcore match when McGinnis pinned Whitmer at 11.39 with a roll-up. Whitmer and Maff originally won via DQ at 4.45 when Tony DeVito and H.C. Loke attacked them, but Foley restarted the match as a hardcore match. Uh, Tony, De- okay, that was it. So. Yeah, this was this was weird. This was a really brief feud that I didn't quite understand. Um, it was like Ricky Steamboat was like the fan, like he was the pure wrestling guy. 
and Mick Foley was the hardcore, and Mick Foley wanted Ring of Honor to be known as Ring of Hardcore, and like Steamboat was trying to be heelish, but you can't, like, he can't really be heelish. No, and, not at all. Nah, and not Whitmer's all. not really likable, and um, but for me, this was cool because this was the first time I had ever heard of or seen Nigel. And, um, you know, instantly the the guy was like stood out is, you know, he's bigger. He's got the spiked hair. He came to the ring to like the Sex Pistols. Um, yeah, it just completely he had like an iron for some reason in his hand, <laughs> like in his first yeah. year come out. And so he'd use it as a weapon. Uh, but, yeah, it was a very bizarre feud. Right. That uh, it, that was basically between Steamboat and, and Mick Foley, two of the most likable people in wrestling history. That's funny. Yeah, true. Uh, Tony DeVito and HC Loke defeated TJ Dalton and Davey Andrews after a spike pile driver. Jack Evans and Roddy Strong, the first time you've heard that name, defeated Homicide and Rocky Romero uh, when Evans pinned Romero with a 630 splash. Uh, Alex Shelley defeated Jimmy Jacobs in an I Quit match. Great match. And then this match. Yeah. Jacobs and Alex Shelley basically toured around the country because they were both from the same area in Detroit. Right. And so had this feud anywhere they went. And then, yeah, this was kind of the, the blow off of the match. And, you know, Jimmy Jacobs had the big spike at that time and right. was basically doing the Bruiser Brody gimmick, mm-hmm. except for the fact that he was like five foot six. Yeah. Which uh, was what made it so funny. Right. Um, I got to check that. I want to check that match out. This is another thing that we're, we're talking about. You know, we're having our highlight, our spotlight matches, but then I'm seeing these other matches pop. Yeah, in my eye right. That's because that I have to go back to. There's so much great history. Like we were when we recap TNA, there's great matches hidden in there, but it's yes. like a lot of crap. That's a lot of crap. A lot it. of offensive junk and yeah. Bruce and Rainbow Express and, and d- Disco Inferno and. and s- you know, sweaty fucking uh, sweaty uh, Russo being oh, yeah. and, uh, just strippers in the cage. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so this this match is a, is just a flat out war of attrition. Uh, like you said, you know, both these guys know each other very well. They had a great match in June. Uh, I, I consider this almost like the trilogy between Flair and Steamboat. Because if you remember the second match of their trilogy, which I consider the greatest WCW match of all time, mm-hmm. is the almost is the two out of three 57 minute match at the Superdome yeah. at Clash Six, which I mean, it is, in my opinion, the greatest WCW match of all time. This trilogy is almost the same, except there was no title changes. Joe held the belt for all three of them. But this was the middle one that went the long. Well, you had draw, draw, and then you had the other match. But yeah. I feel like this one. Like this, the the two out of three Flair Steamboat was a war of attrition. It was just survival for Joe and Punk's just leaning into him. Punk knows he has like a 40 pound disadvantage. And Punk would just was just throwing the kitchen sink at him and just working him over and trying to do everything he can and hitting all sorts of moves and and, you know, grinding him in those like long headlocks. But he's got his Mm -hmm. elbow and collarbone. And I mean, it's it's just it's just crazy. And it's a it was a much quicker hour than you think. Uh, let's put it this way: I think any hour matches is feels faster than Brett and Sean at WrestleMania 12. Yes, um, but uh, but it did not feel. I swear to God, it did not feel like an hour. It was it was really fun to watch. The crowd obviously hot. Punk's backyard. Um, 
and Joe was just a good, a good champion in the sense that he knew that when Joe was champion, and I've seen this, we've seen this when he was TNA champion and another, and even at WWE at times, Joe knew the psychology of how to wrestle as a champion, meaning he knew that he was the one in control. He, he had all the cards because for him to lose his title, Punk had to pin him. Joe just had to survive. Mm-hmm. And he did it at the first match in June. And just like here, the same thing, just survive. And the storytelling, in my opinion, was just so good. How Punk was wrestling as the t- as you could feel the clock ticking. Punk is wrestling with so much more uh, uh, immediacy. Whereas, uh, whereas um, Joe was just kind of surviving, getting through the pinfalls, you know, getting through the pin attempts, surviving the big moves, the anaconda vice, the the top rope hits. It was just a fun story between two guys who had to wrestle very different matches. It was really good. It was really good. Yeah. And what's difficult when you have a champion who is booked as a monster, um, mm-hmm. you know, think even Roman Reigns right, right. now, mm-hmm. um, you know, who's been undefeated for a couple of years. It's really hard to make it seem like someone's going to knock him off. But with Punk, I think I feel that they did that by doing these two draws. And you can't do it with everyone. You can't have like every, you know, contender bring him to a draw because he, you know, Joe was champion for a very, very long time. Um, but like you had to make people believe that there was a, a chance. And um, I I can't remember if I knew because remember like there were you know quite a couple months between. Um, getting the DVDs out and VHS tapes out. And it's not like, you know, you're going to buy every single one. You know, if they're running 20 bucks a pop, you know, (laughs) if I bought like 20 DVDs a year, my my wife would probably kill me. (laughs) um, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like I I don't remember how many um, events they had at this point, but it was, you know, probably a couple of them a month. So I don't remember if I knew that their first match was a draw or not, but I'm sure most of the people did know that. So you think historically, if there's a draw, then the next match has a finish. And in this case, there's another draw. Um, so it was pretty creative booking, I thought. And, you know, people did think Pump was going to win. You know, they don't have the... Um, theme songs and the walkouts for most of these uh, shows on honor club, just like in, you know, in the network because of the music mm-hmm. aspect. But I do remember people, you know, shouting new champ, you know, for when puck comes out. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great. And then there, yeah, their third match just as good. And yeah. Yeah. yeah at that point you probably figured, you know, he's, you know, someone's got to win, uh, you know, for that one, but yeah, just great. Great match. Yep. Like the only complaint I had about this was this was during a time where Ring of Honor had horrible production. Right. Uh, the lighting on this one, and the uh, you know, I I don't know anything about TV pr- uh, production, but I do know that like the people doing the camera work, you know, at the ring were like students. So and not film students, they were wrestling students. Right. And they to do the white balance, 
uh, for the camera for the like the hard cam, which is right. on like a scaffold. Todd Sinclair would literally get in a ring with like a white gym towel, not like a not like a towel you would take to the pool, like one you would get at the gym and put on your treadmill to like dab your head, and he'd hold <laughs> it up in the air. Yep. Yeah, hold it up in the air to like do the you know like, and I thought, oh, this must be how they do it. And now I don't know, like, like no, that's like ridiculous. So the whole time, Port like of this match, like Port Todd Sinclair looks like he has a white orb for a head, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then this the lighting on the hard cam was so off. So it's just and it, you know I get it. It's two thousand four. It's it's independent, um, but yeah, it, it took a couple years before they had better production and it to be honest it took a really long time to have high quality production probably until at least hdnet came along yes and that was what 2009 yeah 2009 2010 yeah and it wasn't like and uh, yeah and and of course their pay-per-view like their uh, streaming stuff were always terrible right and it wasn't look, and they weren't that late to the party because WWE's first pay per view in HD was the 08 Rumble, yeah. so they weren't that late to the party. Um, you know, obviously HD isn't cheap, mm-hmm. so um, you know, I don't remember when TNA went HD. Probably, yeah, but, but even and granted, TNA had a lot more money, but right. even with the TNA shows we watch, at least like the production looks good, right. Um, you know, you know, like it, it, it's watchable. You know, it, some of the shows were just not watchable. Yeah, I agree. They they were very rough. They were very rough. Um, this match is not rough. So nope. check it out. It's on the uh, ROH. Uh, I don't know if it's on the ROH app. It's definitely on YouTube. Definitely, yeah, you can YouTube. find it on YouTube uh, for yep. sure. It's not on the o- app at all. No, it's not on the app. October sixteenth, two thousand and four. I gotta look for that. I gotta look for that. Uh, Punk. Not a punk that uh Joe Daniels uh da- Joe uh Brian Danielson match from October second, uh thirty nine twelve the Coquina Clutch that match has to be crazy yeah um so there you go there's our uh, inaugural jaunt here on the Pod of Honor and we hope you enjoyed it we hope you uh, watch the three matches that we uh, introduced to you tonight it's the um uh, just to recap it is uh Brian Danielson Low Key and Christopher Daniels from the very first show. In uh, February of 2002, AJ Styles versus Paul London from June of 2003. And, of course, Punk Joe 2 from October of 2004. Uh, we are going to be doing this monthly for the moment. Uh, it may go to bi-monthly. We'll see how it goes. But it will always drop on the first Tuesday of the month. So, you, of course, this month it dropped on February 7th. Next month it will drop on uh i would say march 7th because february march always are identical so um so just check us out here on the ptb wrestling network and all of your podcast catchers apple Podcasts, spotify amazon stitcher uh you guys have been wonderful the podcast the 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 download numbers have been amazing around the country and around the world really top 100 consistently in britain canada australia and in the u.s and we thank you for that that's all you that's not us we just babble you're the ones that want to listen, and that means the world to us. And it means the world to Steve. Because then yeah, he it gets, really does. Then he can get super rope. Um, uh, we, we will probably have guests from time to time. Uh, I know our good, our, uh, our good friend J.D., Jordan Duncan, would like to be on with us. Uh, maybe we'll get Chad on for a show, uh, Chad Campbell. 
Um, we definitely would like to get Kevin Kelly on. Um, maybe we'll try and get him on for our March episode when we talk about the legacy of the Briscoes. I think that would be a nice, a nice touch. But that's our topic for March. We're definitely going to uh, discuss the legacy of Mark and Jay Briscoe, um, both as a tag team and singles, because, of course, Jay is, uh, you know, our God rest his soul, is a former a world champion. And maybe we could talk a little bit, Steve, because you'll probably have background on what kind of precipitated uh, Jay getting the solo push. Because um, I never really, like, caught it. Like, what... When did Jay? When did they decide Jay Briscoe was a main event guy on his own? Like I never really look, I just out of the blue he was feuding. I, like it was I really weird. Mark, I think Mark might have been injured at the time, and then they went with it. I always wonder why Mark didn't get a single run, you know, a singles run in in ROH. You know, um, yeah, yeah, I can see Jay looks a little bit more the part. He's he's bigger, stronger, um, has to build That's a little bit more, looking. but not as crazy looking. <laughs> Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah, he was, I mean, Mark is just a personality, like more so than, than Jay, like Mark is hilarious. He's funny. His promos are fantastic, but yeah, it would be, uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It'd be cool uh, Mm. to reach out to Kevin and see if he wants to come on. But, uh, we're going to do a bevy of topics and go back to some great matches. And, and I think now with the ROH watch ROH app kind of easier to manipulate and you know a set price and and that kind of thing i think it'll be a lot easier for everybody uh so thank you tony khan people think i treat him like crap but i don't well most of the time i don't <laughs> he did a good thing here finally buying roh and kind of dawdling around with it he finally did something with it and gave us the archive but i am perplexed at some of the, at the reason why some yes probably a lot of that oh two oh two stuff steve is probably unwatchable <laughs> for yeah that's why a lot of it um, yeah. I wonder, it's like who owns the DVDs if it's still RF video. And that 04 period was really murky with ownership because that's when Feinstein got uh, taken out. And um, then it was like partially owned by someone and, until Kerry Silken bought it straight out. Um, right. So I, I, I'm sure that's what it is. Um, if anything, I have faith in um like in terms of like business stuff like i have faith that tony khan will figure that out and get that stuff on um yeah like it's i'm happy about it it runs so much better than it did before um so it was in march on a backside sorry to interrupt but we were talking about this earlier so it was march when feinstein was caught in the sting yeah uh tna ended the deal they withdrew AJ Styles and Daniels. Punk gave up his TNA agreement. Mm-hmm. And then in June, he resigned. Yeah. And then there's all of O2 is on. I'm just going off the top of my head from what I remember from watching the, the other day. Um, like half of O3 and very little of O4. And then pretty much most of everything beyond that. And that is new because I think um, I think that's new from the original Honor Club because they took a few months off because um, it was just notoriously poorly run. And then I, like pretty much every single event from like 2008, 2009, somewhere around there on uh, mm-hmm. is on there, which there were a lot of holes uh, right. earlier on. Like all the Sinclair stuff was on, but like that HDNet era. Like the TV shows, that's that's another thing that's not on. But to be honest, most of those HDNet TV shows weren't that great. There right. was more trying to 
get you to the the events. They had some good stuff, but it wasn't the best. They had some really weird angles too. Right, right. So uh, anyway, Steve, this has been a lot of fun. Oh, it's, it's been great. Greatest, and we're going to keep doing this. So thanks for listening, everybody. We will talk to you in one month with our next episode. We shake your hand virtually here on the Pot of Honor.